Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Doing well? Were you expecting me to be preaching this morning? Surprise! So good to be with you all. It is um, the last Sunday, the last message in our series, Say Grace. Say Grace. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've been in the book of Galatians, and Pastor Dave's been going through that. It's been a lot of fun. And so Thursday's Thanksgiving. How's everybody feeling about that? Feeling good? Love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just a time where it's like, all right, I know I'm maybe trying to do some stuff with this food, diet, all this kind of stuff, but I'm just going to go for it on Thursday, right? So I hope you feel, feel good about that. I'm feeling good about that. So looking forward to Thanksgiving. And then next Sunday is Advent. How crazy is that? Where did the year go? I don't know. So be back here for Advent. That'll be great. Pastor Dave will be kicking off um, our new series with Advent. So we're going to finish up this series. We've been in Galatians. Our text for this morning is Galatians 6, 14 through 18. So if you have your Bible, you can start turning there. Before we jump into our text, I want to talk about unspoken rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. Got it? Unspoken rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. We have these different unwritten kind of rules, unwritten codes in our society, in our culture that we try to follow, right? We try to adhere to them. Sometimes people look at you funny if you don't follow them, right? Unwritten rules. Here's the first one. Uh, you, you pull up to a four-way stop. You pull up to a four-way stop at the exact same time as someone else. And, yeah, a person on the right, all that kind of stuff. But the unwritten rule is somebody has to wave the other person on, right? This happens all the time to me at Trader Joe's down here, this little four-way stop. All the time. You know what I'm talking about. Arrive at the exact same time as someone, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get my patience points today. My patient points. That's a good way to start the day. Be patient. All right, you go ahead. You go ahead. Wave them on. Then as soon as you start waving... Maybe they don't see you, and they start waving. And you're like, no, it was, I was letting you go. And before you know it, you're in a little wave-off, right? You're like, come on. And then you're like, okay, fine, I'll, ju- I'll just go. And you start to go, and then they start to go. And you're like, oh, my goodness, come on, right? Right? Come on. I was talking to Shaylee about this little, little example, and she was like, nah, I don't do that. I see the person pull it up, and I speed up real quick, stop, and then I go right away. I'm like, okay. All right. I know some, some of you all, that's you. That's you, be honest. Yeah. Unwritten rules that govern our, our behavior in certain situations. Next one is this. You're among friends. Or maybe you're not among friends, but you're uh, among coworkers, or it's a public setting where there's a group of people around you, and you open a pack of gum. What's the, that's right. What's the unwritten rule? You better be ready to offer everyone a piece of gum, or maybe it's Tic Tacs or mints or whatever, right? That's kind of what you have to do. You can't just open it in front of everybody and then just take a piece and put it in your pocket. It's like, no, you can't be doing that. If you don't want to share your gum, that's fine, but you need to be discreet about it, right? What are you chewing on? Nothing. Nope. Nothing. I've had this gum in for hours. Yeah, nothing, right? Unwritten rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. The next one is somebody offers to take you out to dinner. Don't you love this? Yes, I'll go to dinner with you. And you're going to pay, and I'm just so happy about it, and it's going to be awesome, right? So you get to the place, you get the menus, and, and what's the unwritten rule that you cannot do? You cannot order the most expensive 
item on the menu, right? I'll take the filet mignon with some extra sides. and Let's just go ahead with the desserts. Let's get those going too. No, you can't do it. Can't do it. Unspoken rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. All right, ladies, this one, you can, you can plug your ears and talk amongst yourselves. This one's for the fellas, okay? Fellas, you go into a public restroom, and there's a bunch of stalls, right? There's a bunch of urinals, and there's just one guy going to the restroom. What's the unwritten rule? You can't go right next to him. That's just not what you do, right? Come on. Give the guy a little space, right? It's just not what you do. Unwritten rules. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, this youth pastor guy is crazy, man. Oh my goodness, what is he saying? Unwritten rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. We have all kinds of these, don't we? All kinds of them. If you're walking in front of somebody, you go through some doors, and you should hold the door for the people behind you. Maybe it's referring to people older than you with respect, right? Sir, ma'am, whatever it may be. Maybe you're, you're, you're at a meal, right? Thanksgiving meal, and you wait till everybody sits down and gets their food to eat together. All kinds of different unspoken rules that govern our behavior in certain situations. Now, I begin with that because here's what I'm convinced of, church. That as Jesus' followers, our unspoken rule that should govern our behavior in all situations is the cross. The focus, the standard, the reason for why we are the way we are is the cross of Jesus Christ. The rule of the cross, that our lives would look different because of Christ's transformational work on the cross. That we wouldn't just wear the cross as jewelry, right? But it would be stamped and tattooed on our heart and we would live differently in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. The rule of the cross. And so what does this imply exactly? Well, it implies that we love. We radically love others. How will people know that you're a follower of Jesus? John 13, 55, by your love. By your love. Also by our grace. Right? And that's what we're talking about in this series. How do we see grace? How do we say grace? How do we live as graceful people because of all that Christ has done? We always look to the cross. Always look back to the cross. We must be a people who are shaped and formed by the cross. This symbol, right, we have it up here. It was, if you would have saw it in Roman times, you would have seen a symbol of darkness and oppression and violence. But Jesus flips the script, and now it's a symbol of hope, of love, of new life, right? Can we be a people who are shaped by the cross? And so during this series, as we're thinking about how do we become a people who are grateful, we constantly look back at the cross and all that Jesus has done for us. So here's my first question for you. Do others see you as a person of the cross? Do you live in light of Christ's amazing grace and love for you? Do your kids, do your grandkids, do your friends see you as a person that's different? You have a certain kind of hope that you shouldn't have. You have a certain type of love, a peace that, that you shouldn't have. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but they see something different in you. Is that what they see, church? Or do they see us just still broken and stuck in bitterness and resentment, right? All kinds of different things. Is that what they see? Or do they see a people who aren't perfect but consistently look back at the cross and love and show grace? The cross and Jesus' love govern our behavior, hopefully, in all situations. In all situations. Okay, our text, Galatians 6, 14 through 18. It's going to be on the screen. If you have your Bible, you get extra points. Just kidding. 
You don't. Um, <laughs> you don't. But if you have the Bible app, too, that's cool. I'm a huge proponent of the Bible app, right? Um, so here it is on the screen. Before we, we jump into that real quick, I just want to uh, give us a little context. Pastor Dave talked about generosity last week. I was a people who are trying to be shaped and formed by Christ, the people who uh, are grateful. We need to be a people of generosity. We have to give our lives away, right? Why? Because God has given us so, so much. So we have to give some things away. And now we kind of get to, that was the beginning of, the ch- of chapter 6 last week, Pastor Dave jumped in. And then we're, now we're here at the very last part of Galatians 6, 14 through 18. And Paul really dives into what he talked about in the beginning of the book. So he'll talk a lot about how, right, legalism, it's not about legalism. The churches in Galatia were struggling with this idea of rules and, and, and adhering to these perfect rules and eating certain things or not eating certain things or, or all these kinds. And, and Paul's like, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about being a changed people, a people who are different but, but are all unified and have one heartbeat, the heartbeat of Christ. That's what it's about. And so then he jumps into verse 14. Here we go. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And then the benediction, right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen and amen. All right, that's where we're going to be. I think three things that Paul's trying to tell the churches at Galatia and us this morning. All right, three things. The first, how do we become a people of gratitude? We boast in the cross. Verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What do you boast in? What do we boast in? We boast in some things, don't we? We do. Uh, Pride will always be a problem in the heart of humans. It will always be a problem. Paul's saying you guys are boasting in the wrong things. You're proud about these rules and this legalism, this system. It's not about that. It's about the cross. So boast in the cross. C.S. Lewis says this, It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. It's the worst vice of all. It even creeps into our religious life by the devil himself. He wants us to be secure in our own chasteness, our own bravery, our own self-control, our own holiness. The theologian Augustine says this about pride. Pride is the beginning of sin. And what is pride but the craving for undue exaltation? And this is undue exaltation when the soul abandons God to whom it ought to cleave as its end and becomes a kind of end to itself. There's a massive problem with pride in our world. Would you agree with that? We boast in all kinds of things. We're so prone to, to, to be proud to boast in ourselves or boast in something else, right? To be prideful. And it can manifest itself in all kinds of different ways. All kinds of different ways. We boast in our abilities, uh, maybe our intellect, material things, our car, our houses, maybe it's our job, whatever it may be. What is it? If we could just sit in a moment of reflection, church, what is it that, that we boast in, that you boast in, that we place a little bit too much of our identity in? I don't know what it is for you. What is it? 
what if God came down right now and, and all those things that we're thinking of, the things that we struggle with and we place our identity in, all those kind of things, we boast in them. What if he just took them away? Just took them all away. What would we boast in then, right? There's a little story in Mark 10. A rich dude comes up to Jesus. Uh, sometimes called the rich young ruler story, right? The, this rich dude comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments, right? Uh, don't steal, don't kill, don't do all those basic good things, right? He's like, yeah, I've done all those. I've done all those. And then Jesus gets extremely real with him and speaks right to his heart, just like Jesus so often does, doesn't he? Blows past all the fake and the facades and goes right to his heart and says, okay, sell all you have. Give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And verse 20 of that text says that the, the rich young ruler, his face fell after Jesus said this. It fell to the ground. And he walked away because he had great wealth. He couldn't let those things go. Where was his identity? It was in those things. Where was, what was he boasting in? It was in those things. Paul is saying, don't boast in yourself. There's going to be all kinds of temptation to boast in other things. Don't do it. Don't do it. Boast in the cross. Boast in Jesus. Boast in what God has done in your life. And I'm, I'm reminded of this, churches. How are we even breathing right now? Right? Just in and out. How are we even breathing? How are we born? In this time, to this place, on this blue sphere that's floating in this ocean of space, right? How are we even here? It's all God. It's all God. So how can we boast in ourselves? Can we boast in God? Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. Can we boast in that? Can we boast in that? How do we become a people of gratitude? We're constantly reminded of the amazing work that Christ has done on the cross. Constantly reminded of that. Johnny Cash, the great theologian, he said, Johnny Cash, the great theologian, he says this in a prayer. Father, thank you for your masterful craftsmanship in my life. I am who I am because you created me this way. Please give me the spiritual vision to recognize pride before it takes root in my life. Show me what a humble spirit looks like so that I can stay pliable in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Johnny Cash, the good prayer there. It's very good. Point number two, we live in the new creation. Verse 15, Paul says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Paul is saying it's not about these legalistic rules. You guys are getting trapped in this system. That's not what it's about. Stop boasting in that stuff. It's all about the cross, and it's all about the new creation. We had baptisms last week. You remember that? I don't know if you were here. Maybe you watched online. We love baptisms, don't we? It's incredible. A celebration. People give their testimony, and, and then we dunk some people, and we hold a few, uh, a few people under a little longer, you know. Just kidding. We don't do that. Um, and then we, you know, bring them out of the water, and people are cheering, excited, celebrating. We have these new shirts. I don't know if you've seen them. It says made new. Love that. It says made new because you are a new creation in Christ when you come out of the waters, right? Reminded of that. A lot of times with baptism in the church, we talk about it as a public declaration 
or a public dis- display of accepting Christ. Have you heard that? That's a lot of times how we'll talk about it, which is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. But also baptism is a little bit more than that as well. It's a sacrament. It's a means of grace. It's, it's a way that we experience grace when we go down in the waters and, and come back, right? But it's also as people who are experiencing baptism in the congregation, it's a means of grace. So hopefully last week or whenever we have baptisms, when, when somebody is dunked, you're reminded of the time you were baptized. It's, 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 a, it's a reminder. It's like, man, I remember when I died to myself too and I made that declaration and those things. I remember that. And church, let me say this. If you haven't been baptized, let's get that done. Come on now. Let's get it done. Right? We've got to get baptized. Um, the imagery of baptism is connected throughout the Old Testament, but, but specifically in the Exodus narrative. In the Exodus narrative, you, you, you probably know this. Finally, after a big battle between God and Pharaoh, Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt, takes them out. But they come to this place where they're stuck. They're stuck between the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh has decided against his original plan. He's like, ah, I'm going to send the Egyptian army to go get them, actually. So the Egyptian army is bearing down on the Israelites, and so they're behind them, and then the Red Sea is in front of them, and they're stuck. And they're crying out to God, and they're crying out to Moses. Moses, how could you do this? God, how could you do this? We're going to be slaves again, or, or we're, worse, we're all going to die. How could you do this? And Moses has this killer line here, and he says this. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Maybe some of y'all need to hear that today. You only need to be still. And then Moses stretches out his staff. And God parts the sea. God makes a way. And the Israelites go across on dry land. And then the Egyptian army follows in and the waves crash in, right? You know the story. Uh, the best interpretation of this story is for sure the Prince of Egypt. So if you want to Google the Prince of Egypt later and get the, it's $10 on Amazon Prime. You guys know the Prince of Egypt? No? Okay. All right. It's okay. That one did not go as planned, but that's all right. It's okay. Okay. Anyways, but the connection to baptism is this, church, is that when the Israelites pass through on the dry waters, they pass through the waters. They're leaving the captivity, the chains, the brokenness behind. And now they're a new people in Christ. God has set them free. He set them free. And that's just like baptism. I'm echoing a lot here. We good? We good? Down in the waters, the chains, the brokenness, the darkness gets washed away. And we rise as new people in Jesus a new creation in Christ. Are you living as new creation people, church? Are you living as new creation people? People who have been set free and transformed by God. Or do too often we get caught back in the old life, the brokenness, the chains, all those kind of things. Can we remember what Christ has done in the new creation life? And again, it's not about the rules. It's not about all those kind of things. It's not about the Christian to-do list, right? Checking off the list. Okay, I came to church a couple times in the month. I'm good. It's not about that. It's not about that. But what are new creation people going to want to do? They're going to want to go to church because they know we need it. They know I need it to be shaped, to be around all kinds of people who are 
keeping me accountable and loving me and building me up. To participate in the sacraments and, and hear the scripture be broken. New creation people. It's all about Christ's new creation work. From darkness to light. From broken to whole. From death to life. Can we live in a new creation? Number three, we are marked by Jesus. Verse 17, Paul says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The Greek word for marks in this verse is stigmata. Everybody say stigmata. Stigmata. It's an interesting little word. It literally means to prick or stick or, or, or mark your skin. Really interesting. And some people think actually Paul actually bore in his hands, feet, inside the imprinted marks of Jesus' passion and death. And we don't know for sure if that's true, but, but Paul's playing on something here. In, in ancient times, slaves... And, and pagan worshipers and soldiers would mark themselves, whether it was like a, a cutting or a branding, and it was all about who they belonged to. Slaves to their masters, soldiers to their army or military leader, right? And, and then pagans to the, to the God they worshiped. So Paul's picking this up. He's saying, I've been through a lot, and I'm marked by Jesus. I belong to him. It's him to whom I belong to. And what's interesting, if you, if you ever see old icons of saints, uh, throughout many, many years, those kind of saint pictures or, or paintings, right? You'll see the little stigmata in, in their hands sometimes, the little sign of the crucifixion of Christ. Why? Because it shows who they belong to, who they followed. They followed Jesus. And this is a little side note, but um, a little side note here, but you ever wonder, Jesus is, is obviously crucified and has those marks, but he's raised from the dead. The resurrection happens and he comes back. And you know what he still has? He still has his scars. You ever, you ever thought about that before? Scholars are really mixed on why he still has his scars. They, they don't, they're not really sure. And of course he goes to Thomas and there's that really cool story. But why would Jesus have his scars still? Here's what I think it is. is, is Jesus heals our wounds, but we always still have a story to tell. We have a testimony to give. Jesus had a story to tell. And so do us. And so I don't know where you are, and, and maybe you have some wounds, right? Jesus binds our wounds. He heals them up. And maybe it's a quick healing, or maybe it takes years. But Jesus will heal our wounds, and then we'll have a story to tell, a testimony to give. So what I'm not saying is that let's all go get little whole tattoos in our hand. I'm not saying that, okay? But here's my question out of that is, is your life marked by Christ? We need to remember who we belong to. Are we marked by Jesus? When people see us, do they see a people who, who bear the scars of Jesus? Are we thankful for Christ and the cross? His amazing transformational work. Last weekend, I, I went to Estes Park, Colorado. I was honored to, to be able to speak at a youth retreat there. Really cool event. There's about 250 or so high school and, and junior high kids. Estes Park, beautiful mountain town. I got out of my car and uh, got out of my car and, and there was like a bunch of deer just like 20 feet away from me. I was like, oh, this place is magical. It was also like 20 degrees though, so I was just like freezing, you know. <laughs> I've acclimated to Southern California weather. I'm like, oh my goodness. 
So just a great weekend. I was able to speak, and, and we did three different main sessions. We did Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and I spoke through the, the prodigal story, if you know that parable. And the whole weekend was, weekend was about pursuit. How do we pursue God? How do we pursue others? And obviously, God pursues us. So each night, I focused on a different character in the prodigal story. I focused on uh, the younger son, the prodigal, the first night, and Saturday, I focused on the father, and then Sunday morning, focused on the older brother. But if you know anything about youth retreats, the, the second night, that Saturday night, is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big invitation night. Sometimes we call it cry night, right, in youth ministry circles because kids will be crying and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So, so we're, we're there on Saturday night, and I'm excited, and so I preach this message about the father, right? And I don't know how much you guys know about the prodigal story, but the, the father is just, he's unbelievable, Right? And he represents God in the story. God's love is just overwhelming. And this younger son who just betrays his dad, wishes him dead, goes off, and the father just continues, like, I love you. I love you. Welcomes him home, all those kind of things. So preaching this message about how God won't stop pursuing us. God won't stop pursuing those young people. And so I pray, and then I, I have a little invitation time. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, and it's, it's the, the language of the prodigal story, if you want to come home tonight, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. And maybe you've, you, you know all this church stuff, you've been in church your entire life, and you know all those things, but you still need to come home tonight. In whatever kind of way that looks for you, or you need to surrender something to Jesus. So I just give an invitation, right, to all kinds of different invitations to, to hopefully different students in the room. I pray, the worship band starts, I go sit down, and look, some moments pass, and, and some beautiful things start to happen. Students start, start to go up to their leaders, their leaders start to embrace them, pray for them, Students are crying, right? That's not the goal, but students are crying, right? And then they start praying for each other, and it's just this beautiful moment. It's amazing. So I kind of walk around. About 25 minutes have passed. I'm kind of in the back. Some students come up to me and, and say some really cool things about the, the message. Hey, Colt, that really spoke to me. It meant a lot, all this kind of stuff. One kid came up to me and says, hey, Colt, man, that message, it was just everything I needed. I, I just asked my girlfriend to marry me. That's what he said. I was like, dude, what? That was not what the message was about. <laughs> that wasn't it. But I'm happy for you. <sighs> yeah. I don't know if he was like a senior in high school or if he was like a young like, youth leader. I don't know. But I was like, congrats, man. That's great, dude. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, but so some cool things are happening. And people are still praying and uh, still going on. And I start to thank God. I start to, I'm in the back now. I'm just kind of just watching it all happen, watching those 200-some kids and, and their leaders. And I'm just praying. I'm just thanking God for, for letting me play a small role, right? Thanks for using my feeble words to connect a little bit. And then I, I start to get overwhelmingly sad as I'm praying. And I'm looking out, and I'm going to struggle to get through this part, but <laughs> I start to get overwhelmingly sad. Because I'm thinking about the statistics that youth pastors always think about, about how the 60-ish percent of high school students after high school graduation leave the faith. So I'm thinking about that, and I'm looking at these 250 or so high school and middle school students, thinking about how if 60-some percent of them just walked out the doors. And I'm sad. And now I'm pleading with God. It's that Davidic type of, of, of psalm type of prayer, which we can do, by the way. 
I'm just pleading with God. God, don't let them go. Keep pursuing them. Help them know that you want the best life for them. Keep them in your arms, just pleading with God. And I hear God kind of just impress on my heart. Cole, I won't. I won't stop pursuing them. That's what you just talked about in your message. I won't stop pursuing them. They don't have a choice in the matter. I'm going to chase them down with my mercy and goodness for all the days of their life. I will. I won't stop. But the conversation with God kind of kept going. He says, but, but they have a choice. That's why this is real love, because they have a choice. And so then I start thinking about this choice, right? You guys are hearing the whole conversation in prayer with God, all right, last weekend, but... I start thinking about that choice, the choice that all young people make to, to either pursue God or not. They don't have a choice if God's pursuing them. He is, all of us. We don't have a choice. God's pursuing us, but we have a choice to pursue him or not. So I'm thinking about where, where are those young people going back to? What's their family like? What's their church like? Are they seeing people in their church who are really living for Christ, who are pouring into young people, who are pouring into them and and loving on them, and telling them, hey, they're not, you're not the church of someday, you're the church of today. Are they, are they seeing a church that's okay with young people wrestling and asking tough questions? Is that what they're seeing? Are they seeing that in their parents, in their grandparents? Is that what they're seeing? Are they seeing people who, who don't look any different from the world? People who are still bitter, and angry, resentful, People who haven't been shaped and formed by the cross. People who are stuck in the legalism, right? And boasting in themselves or money or whatever it may be. What are they seeing? So I was thinking about this message. And I want to just challenge all of us. For these young people in front here. Can we do better? Can we be better examples? And some of y'all are like, maybe that's not, that's not fair, Cole. Maybe it's not. But I know young people are leaving the church in droves because they hear about Jesus and then they see something else in their church or they see something else in their, in their parents or grandparents or whoever. And it ought not be. It ought not be. So can we do better? Bob Goff has this quote that says, young people don't need more information. They have more information than ever before. What they need are better examples. So can we be that church? Can your kids and, and grandkids and people, young people in this church, look up to you and say, hey, I see something different in them. They're not perfect. They have struggles, but there's a certain kind of joy, a certain kind of hope, a, a certain kind of peace. It's different, and I want that. I want that. That's what my prayer is that young people see when they come to Montrose Church, that we can be better examples. Amen, church. And the crazy thing about this is we can do this. We can be better examples because the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do those things. To not boast in ourselves, but constantly boast in the cross. It's all Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It won't stop being Jesus. It's always Jesus pointing to the cross, living into the new creation, bearing the marks of Christ. Can we do that? We can. I want to invite the band back up. And church, would you just stand with me as we pray and get ready to respond to the message? As you're thinking about Thanksgiving and, 
And we're finishing up this Say Grace series. I hope you can find a little gratitude today, a little gratitude this week. That the cross and Christ's love govern our behavior in all situations, right? In all situations. And I'm praying for everybody here because I know Thanksgiving can be a super joyful time, but also a super tough time. And just all the different conversations that happen. So I'm praying for all you guys that it goes well and, and Christ would be glorified through it all. Okay, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the chance to gather. God, can we be a people of, a people who are reminded of your goodness and your mercy and your grace that you showed us on the cross? Literally, the cross changed everything, and so can it change us? Can it change us? Can we be a people of gratitude who say grace because of the cross and your transformational work? Can we not boast in ourselves or ourselves or, or our abilities or whatever it may be? Can we not boast in those things, but can we boast in you? Boast in all you've done in our life, all you're doing. God, can we be a people who live in the new creation? Sometimes we'll struggle absolutely with the old life, but we're constantly reminded, hey, I'm a new person in Jesus. He set me free. Can we live as new creation people? And can we be a people who are marked by Christ? A people when, when, when young kids see us and our family sees us, they would say, hey, there's something different about them. They, there's something different. Something different. And your Holy Spirit is going to empower us to be those people. Encourage everyone here, God. Just encourage them to go from this place with living for you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.